Welcome everyone to the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. As always, I am your host, Capid Joel. <clears throat> Capid Joel? <laughs> Capid, yes, yes, yes. That's a, that's my new pronunciation. I got brand new thumbnails this week, Matt, and so I got a brand new pronunciation for my intro name. <laughs> You're moving up. I'm moving up in the world, man. They're going to be red and blue and red and blue <laughs> and maybe yellow. I don't know. How, uh, how has your week been? It's, it's been pretty good. It it, we, it was a kind of light week for comics, so I got like pretty much everything finished like three, four days earlier than I thought I was. So I just had time to kill, and I was just like catching up on TV and video games and stuff like that. Always good. Yeah, I got a couple here I still got to catch up on, but if I'm not caught up this week, I'll be caught up next week because next week is pretty light because it's the 31st. Uh, usually, if ever there's a 31st in a month, it's usually a lot lighter. Mm-hmm. Which is always good. I mean, this is a this is our post post San Diego Comic Con show. There was a big news explosion. Everything happened all at once, and shockingly, this week the cupboard is very bare, and we have little to talk about. Yeah, the week after Comic Con, there's usually nothing unless someone forgot to announce something there. <laughs> That's, that is absolutely true. So, you know, if the episode ends up being shorter this week, you know why. We're still going to try and shoot for our normal hour and some change, but, you know, just, just a heads up right now. Yeah. Uh, another cool thing you did this week, Matt, is you sent me over the design for a brand new shirt for our Tee Public store you've been working on. Yeah, based on uh, some quotes that fans chose. Mm -hmm, As there's a damn, damn Moon People shirt, and because we got Inhumans coming out next month, uh, I decided to do it in like an Inhumans sort of design for it. I'm looking at it right now. It's pretty fucking sick. Like I, I'm going to be buying one of these right away because it genuinely looks so good. <laughs> and you know, really, when I said the damn moon people quote, I was just, you know, riffing, just being an idiot and not meaning anything by it. Little did I know that quote would end up being very apropos because the Inhumans in this show are indeed damn moon people. Exactly why I did it. <laughs> they started out as damn moon people, then they became like damn Arctic Circle people, then they became damn like living in Manhattan people. Yeah, damn New Yorkers. Damn New Yorkers, and now they're back to being damn space people. Not on the moon yet, but there's time. <laughs> I, I felt that was quite good. So yeah, I mean, if you haven't already, everyone, check out our T Public store. We are actually consistently selling shirts, and that feels good. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's nice to know people care about the comic multiverse and Fortress of Solitude and Cape Joel enough to be like, you know what, I'm going to wear that. I'm going to drape that on my body. <laughs> I'm going to wear that in public for all to see. <laughs> now, uh, I, I guess we can just get to one of, the, one of the only news stories that we got this week, but I thought this would be a great little subject to tackle. We finally got the full poster team lineup for Jason Aaron's Avengers 10,000 B.C., yeah, and it, it looks pretty awesome. Looks pretty fucking sick. You got Odin, you got the original Black Panther, the original Iron Fist, Ghost Rider riding a mammoth. Oh, that that looks so awesome. I can't wait to see how they do that. I was a bit disappointed, though. I was hoping, like, the mammoth would actually be a skeleton as well. <laughs> uh, you can't have too many skeletons back to back. You don't want to double up on it now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when I saw that, I'm just like, wow, that is, that's strong. That's a strong image, Ghost Rider on a Mammoth. They they may need to nerf that in the next update. That might be too strong. <laughs> He's too OP. He's too OP. No one has an answer for Ghost Rider on a Mammoth. He keeps, he keeps penance-staring people across the map. <laughs> he just can't do nothing about it. He's got hacks. He's waiting in the corner. He's the worst. <laughs> I, I like some people, of course, because this is, the, this is the internet and people love to talk shit. They were talking to Jason Aaron. It's like, well, you know, there weren't any Homo sapiens around the planet Earth in 10,000 BC. And Jason Aaron, classy gentleman that he is, fired back by saying, well, technically they're not your normal Homo sapiens. They're, you know, an ancient kung fu god, an ancient alien power stone, a spirit of vengeance, and some other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not human. <laughs> yeah, and some other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also dropped some hints, too, about what this story is going to be, where it's like, yeah, we are going to hear the story about the very first Avengers team, the OGs, these originals, and also something else that they share the planet with that is going to be very important for Marvel legacy moving forward. 
it's those um those like Wolverine people, isn't it? Oh yeah, well that's that could be so. I think that's just like a bit for Jason Aaron to pop himself is what it is because those are literally the same Wolverine people from his Spider-Man Wolverine time travel crossover. That's true. That's true. I think Jason Aaron's going to be like sticking around with this Marvel legacy because up coming up in November he actually he finishes up on um, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, that's right, which means he'll have more time, which means, you know, he'll be able to devote that to other stuff. Maybe Marvel Legacy, maybe hopefully we can get more Southern Bastards. That's his indie image crime book I love so much. It's been slumbering for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Is I mean, like, is there another creator nowadays, and this is a question for the chat, too, who is at as top of their game as Jason Aaron? Because it seems like he just jumps from major success to major success. Yeah, he, he's pretty good. I'd say maybe... Hmm. I guess you I guess you'd say like something like Scott Snyder or Peter Tomasi or That's true. That's true. I mean Tomasi definitely gets critical praise wherever he goes, and Snyder definitely always gets put on A projects wherever he goes. Heck, that whole Dark Matter universe, the only reason I might even read a little of that is because Snyder's gonna have a book in it. <laughs> I mean that's a pretty goddamn good way to launch a new imprint, am I right? Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, we're, before we get to Legacy, though, we gotta get to Generations. Generations starts this week. Yeah, it starts with, I think, the Hulk book. Yeah, which is an interesting place to start. I have stated before, and I will state it once more, that, you know, Bruce Banner Hulk has always been my favorite Avenger. Never really fell in love with the Amadeus Cho book, not because of anything Cho as a character did, just because it was a bit of a step down in scale from the Hulk books that I was used to. Yeah, yeah. That, that they made it more of a laid-back, like, Teenage Hulk book. And I'm like, well, you know, this, mm-hmm. this is for someone, but it's not for me right now. And I, was, and I was double upset because I never got the Doc Green story finished off. Oh, yeah. If, if I ever meet Jerry Duggan at a con, I want to sit him down and be like, okay, if you actually got to finish it, what would you have done? Yeah. Well, the, maybe, maybe we might get something in Generations. That would be nice. That would be really, really nice. Because, again, we don't know what a Generations is going to be. We don't know the framing device. We don't know what's at stake. We don't know. Essentially, it's going to be one big, long story. At least they're making it sound like it's going to be. I, I think I saw something during San Diego Comic Con where uh, I think I think it might have been Joe Casada or Axel Alonso said, like, that it, it, it itself, like, Generations is, like, a paradise the Cosmic Cube has made. Right. For all these heroes to live out dreams or something. It's, it's really weird. It's really weird. It's basically the what if we had a perfect world world. Yeah, something like that. Where we where we can all be Hulks and Wolverines and all play together in an octopus's garden in the sun. <laughs> For an old ass reference right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm interested in it. It's funny, you know, how all these big Marvel events, as we joked, we knew they were going to be, are starting to bunch up now. Secret Empire mm-hmm. isn't quite done yet, but it will be. Generations is starting, then Legacy after that. Yeah, they're starting to. That's what happens when you like delay books or add more pages or add more well, issues. Well, yeah. Heck, uh, I'm sure you heard this. There's even some crazy rumors over at Bleeding Cool right now, which uh, freaking you know, Bleeding Cool take with a grain of salt as always. But apparently, uh, what is it? They're saying over there now that Legacy will ultimately end up just being another holding pattern to the next set of Marvel stuff that's coming. You know, the real, actual shakeups. Oh, God. <laughs> like, like remember there were some theories we heard a while back where it's like, oh, you know, a, a new ta Coates Black Panther book, uh, Nick Spencer writing Spider-Man, and, like, uh, Jason Aaron and Asad Ribic taking over Avengers. Remember those rumors? Yeah, vaguely, yeah. Well, apparently, according to Bleeding Cool, who broke the story originally, so of course they're sticking to it, they say, no, 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 no. Legacy is just a holding pattern. The next one's going to be the one we say. (laughs) Which makes them sound a lot like those doomsday preachers who are like, no, the year 1989 is the year the world will end. Quick, sell off all your property. Come live in my commune. Oh, no, wait, the world didn't end. Oops. Uh, Next year. My, my, my numbers are slightly off. I didn't carry a one. Next year, the world will end. <laughs> and to think those crazy preachers just kept on doing that. Nope, next year's the year. I really feel it. <laughs> I, I wish I had a job and an audience so captive and so like willing to believe that I could just make shit up. 
Yeah, well, we kind of do that now, don't we? <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting there. The comic multiverse is just one step in a long plan Matt and I have to starting our own cult. Yeah, that tax-free money, yo. Oh, man, dude, friggin' see what them Scientologists get off it? Jeez. <laughs> Look, I, I, I can say, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you can agree or disagree with me here, I think everything I've said on this show is at least as plausible as everything that's written in the book of Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> and you can take that one to the bank, the money bank. <laughs> not the blood bank, not, not those other pretender banks. <laughs> But hey, you know, that's not all that's coming out of Marvel Legacy. This was a new story that broke. It technically broke at the con, but we didn't get a better look at them until right now. But along with all the new, not-so-new Marvel Legacy books, we're also going to be getting a series of interesting little one-shots for characters who kind of haven't had their day in the sun in a while. No, no. These all seem quite interesting. Yeah, and they're all going back to legacy numbering, so you're getting a Shang-Chi story in Master of Kung Fu number 126. Mm-hmm. I always liked Shang-Chi. I always thought that, you know, he... Uh, yeah. If, if, there was a, if we ever did an episode where it's like, what characters would you give pushes to for a year? I'd be like, well, maybe Shang-Chi should show up in more stuff. Yeah, he, he kind of got a little bit of a spotlight there in Secret Empire for a little mm. bit, but I actually I haven't read anything about him since um uh that Avengers World book. Yeah, it's it's been forever. It's been a long time for poor old Shang Chi. <laughs> I, I mean, come on, he's like an amazing Marsh. He's basically Bruce Lee in the Marvel universe, and you can't write anything for that. Yeah, you could do some amazing stuff with that. He he feels like one of those characters, like whenever a new hot young writer comes into the company, it's like, okay, you know, show your mettle, show your worth. If you want to write one of the big books, if you want to write like a Spider-Man or an Iron Man or something, write Shang-Chi for a little bit. Write Master <laughs> of Kung Fu and see what you can come up with. He's like the, the the filter. He filters out all like the crappy writers and everything. It's like if you can write a good story about him, you can write a good story about anyone. Well, that's how they used to do it back in the day, back at Marvel, back in the bullpen. It's like, okay, you want to write for us? Here's the worst performing book we have right now. Make something out of it. Yeah, they, that kind of makes sense. And if they did, yeah, they they'd get a job. I, I kind of like that it's like the comic book equivalent of hazing, only, you know, instead of getting your ass paddled or getting, you know, uh, fire hoses sprayed at you, it's like, okay, here, write this failing book. Uh, Dazzler is also going to be getting a book. Eh. Yeah, I know, little one. Some people love Dazzler. What's funny, though, is that there's been so much discontinuity around Dazzler, she's not going back to her old disco costume that everyone remembers. It's kind of like a 50-50 of that new, horrible Bendis Riot Girl redesign and the classic disco together. No, okay then. Dazzler seems like a character that exists and continues to be printed solely because someone at Marvel's like, nah, nah, disco's coming back. It's going to be retro cool again. I know it. <laughs> Look, when disco is cool again, we're going to be so happy we kept Dazzler relevant. And we're going to make all the money. Going to make all the money off Dazzler. Also, Dazzler, because they collect all the numbers, and that becomes the new number. Dazzler is apparently 43, so there was 42 mainline Dazzler issues before this. <laughs> Jesus, someone was reading it. I, I think that has to be her original series. I think that, that can it, it only would have be, to be. It can only be that. It would have to be, yeah. Which blows me away to think compared to, like, comic books now getting renumbered and getting moved around and everything. They put out 42 issues of Dazzler back in the day. Yeah, and it, as you said, like, nowadays, like, books, like, even good books can't even make it to, like, you know, 10 yeah. without being renumbered or, like, cancelled or reshuffled or something. It's really, really weird, isn't it? It's really, really weird. Uh, another one we got coming out, Power Pack. Cool. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a fun concept, you know, little kid superheroes. I mean, shit, uh, what is it, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Apparently, I hear from, uh, like, friends who run comic book stores, apparently that book is beloved by young children because they love being able to read about someone who, you know, is more like them and, you know, who thinks mm -hmm. and speaks more like them. Power Pack was always one of those ideas where it's like, yeah, Marvel, why don't you do more with this? Yeah, that'd be interesting. It'd be interesting as well because they're kind of like related to the Fantastic Four as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I wonder, will they be dropping some Fantastic Four nuggets in this one? 
Are we just gonna have you know Uncle Ben Grimm drop by because he drops by in everything nowadays? Yeah, we'll get we'll get him and we'll get Johnny and be like, hey everyone, hey where's Reed and Sue? Don't ask. Yeah, don't bring that up. It triggers us. <laughs> don't ask or they'll hit us again. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a story. There's an evil dark force in the universe that's keeping uh, the thing and uh, Human Torch from ever mentioning uh, Sue and Reed by name. <laughs> yes, it's an evil villain called the Fox. <laughs> the Fox is a Lovecraftian monster who steals our friends and family in the night and makes us forget about them. <laughs> uh, well, 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 technically, he doesn't make you forget about them. You just willingly. I said he makes us forget about them. <laughs> look, 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 I'm not saying that the fox isn't evil. I'm just saying, you know, maybe you should take some of the responsibility. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> They're on vacation. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's funny too with Power Pack because, you know, obviously we're seeing young heroes in both companies kind of take off huge and yet here you have power pack where it's like well hey we've always been kids yeah it, it's kind of weird that they haven't done them especially like as you just said like we've got over in like dc we've got a uh, young superboy robin teen titans and everything they're doing all really well and marvel doesn't really have anything besides moon girl yeah, who are really young. And then, of course, you got the champions who are more teenagers, and that's a bit of a yeah. break-off in and of itself. I think most teenagers, well, they probably enjoy reading a good story about teenagers. They're probably also reading the adult heroes, too. I, I've always <laughs> subscribed to the theory that everyone wants to read the thing that's, like, above them at a certain point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, uh, that, that's always been my thing. Uh, another interesting one, Darkhawk is coming back and getting a one-shot. Oh, yeah. I, I said, like, in recently in my, um, because uh, the, the Raptors appeared in the recent Guardians of the Galaxy mm -hmm. issue, I'm like, oh, can we bring Darkhawk back? And literally the day after, the day after I saw that, and I'm like, yes! <laughs> the universe heard you, Matt, and the answer is yes. Yes, you can have more Darkhawk. Uh, I love Darkhawk, he's so cool. <laughs> his, his, his design is pretty fucking slick, and again, the cover they have for him, of all the covers, his is probably the best. Yeah. You, you probably got to assume, too, that judging by how these one-shots sell, whichever one does really well will probably get a shot at a new ongoing. Oh, yeah, definitely. No uh, no creative team's name yet. Uh, Silver Sable and the Wild Pack, issue number 36, which blows me away because there was at least 35 issues of Silver <laughs> Sable and the Wild Pack before this. Uh, again, I can't help but feel that the reason Silver Sable's getting a one-shot here is they're like, oh, 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 well, there's talk her and Black Cat might be getting a movie, so shit, we gotta, yeah. we gotta get her back in the public eye a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty much what it is. Not even because they like Silver Sable, but they're like, look, someone might want to buy a Silver Sable book now, and we got to make sure they have something to buy. <laughs> even if we've been neglecting her for so long. <laughs> but yeah, so, so a nice little smattering of one-shots there. Of course, I've mentioned a million times before, and I stand by it. I, I like it when lower-tier characters get another kick at the can. Yeah, so it, it can lead to some really good books. Re even if it, they run for only a couple of issues, that run might be, like, amazing. Mm-hmm, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I think they, they got a good smattering. They got a good group of mm -hmm. ones to do. These are definitely the ones where it's like, who would you give a one-shot to? These guys. Yeah, the, the, these these ones are, like, the testers. Yeah. And I imagine if any of these do really good, they'll bring back, like, like if a Dark Hawk does good, they'll go, oh, well, maybe we'll bring back some more of the Cosmic books. Yeah, I, I hope they do good. Do good. And yeah. uh, from one happy subject to another uh, happy subject, it's Sunday night as Matt and I record this, and two great things are happening. Uh, New Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, New Game of Thrones. And also, Rick and Morty finally comes back now. Oh, Yeah. Matt and I will probably not be able to watch it until tomorrow because of time differences and work and everything, but still, that's really awesome. And uh, anyone who saw the special April Fool's Day episode, and I know Matt and I basically devoted a whole episode talking about it because we loved it so much, uh, one of the big things in that episode was Rick wanting the uh, special Disney's Mulan Szechuan sauce that only existed in 1998. 
You know, yeah, it's why it's why he's doing all of this. It's why he's he just wants that sauce. I gotta get that sauce, even if it takes nine seasons. I'll get that Szechuan dipping sauce. Uh, <laughs> apparently, McDonald's heard them loud and clear, and McDonald's waited for the perfect time. They sent Harmon and Royland just like a big jug of Szechuan sauce. Yeah, and and they're giving it out to fans as well. They are. What I like about it is that McDonald's, McDonald's, for everything you say about them, they really go the next level when it comes to stuff. Because they even gave Harmon and Royland a little note where it's like, yeah, you know, we got this sauce from the 1998 Dimension where it's 1998 all the time. Yeah, they they saw that opportunity to to get some free marketing there, and, and they took it. They sure did. Now, obviously, we couldn't keep the wormhole open for too long, or else we'd be inundated with boy bands, and we can't have that. <laughs> also, there was no internet and cell phones back. Or there was cell phones, but internet sucked, so, you know. <laughs> we didn't want to stay in that dimension for any longer than we have to, but here's some sauce that you can share with your friends. And, yeah, Royland and Harmon apparently are going to have some sort of contest in the near future to decide who gets some Szechuan sauce. Yeah, hope I get some, I'll tip it down the sink. I know. Just for the salt, just for the salt. Oh, the, the <laughs> river, you will have a river of salt. You will have Mad Max Fury Road, the great salt, just salt as far as the eye but, can see. But the views, the views on a monetized video, man. Oh, God, oh, God, yeah, I mean, that that writes itself, just someone being a dick, where it's like, hey, here's the last Szechuan sauce in existence, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just pour new... You'll be like one of those channels that buys, like, high-end electronics just to break them. Oh, God, I hate those channels so much. <laughs> I, I can't believe they're so popular. It, here's, a, here's a truck of iPhones I'm going to blow up. <laughs> I don't... I don't get it. I really do. I would love to, like, sit down with that dude's, like, you know, friggin' what is it, his accountant, and be like, okay, well, this is how much money I put into the Enterprise... Uh, this is how many phones I bought the first time, and now, you know, I'm going to destroy these phones, and then with the views I get from YouTube, I will buy more phones to destroy. Yeah, he's a, you're, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I, I got to assume they can't all be legit. I'm going to assume some of them got to be, like, Chinese forgeries that look the part but aren't actually them. Oh, yeah, just like just like the cases or something, or, yeah. yeah. I mean, you got you to do something like that, because, Jesus Christ, if you can actually afford to break that many iPhones... Mm -hmm. it's like you know how people love to ask you know why do the terrorists hate us that's why <laughs> we're breaking the stuff that their people make <laughs> yeah really where it's like jesus christ i can't even afford oh, i can't even afford shoes and yet here you are destroying <laughs> goddamn iphones eight at a time <laughs> from your lavish palatial mansion god i hate you <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, that was that was basically the news for this week. If you couldn't guess it, there wasn't much going on. Nah, not really. I was I was gonna ask fans for like some questions for a Q and A, but it got too late, so I'm just like, God damn it! Now, now I would have to stall for even more time and hope some good questions came in. Yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> no, no, we can't do that. But we will do another Q and A episode in the future. Again, I don't I don't imagine there being a lot of amazing news next week. Can you? Not really, no. No, I think it's going to be dead for the next little bit, so don't be shocked if we do a couple Q&A episodes. <laughs> should, should, throw a, should throw another riff in there, too. Uh, in the comment section, guys, tell us, tell us what movie you want us to do a commentary on. It's been a bit. Yeah, well, I know Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is coming out very soon. Oh, shit, yeah, we got to do that. We should do Lego Batman, too. Yeah. Because that's just fun and easy, and I think we'll have a lot to talk about. We could even turn it into a drinking game, like, spot the reference, spot the reference. <laughs> I mean, we'll be dead by the end of it, given how many references that has. Yeah, oh god, yeah. I, uh, as I mentioned before, when we talked about that movie, I respect any movie where they literally play clips of the Adam West Batman show just to, like, show you, like, hey, here it is, this is what it looked like. <laughs> that was pretty great. And I actually have a bunch of, like, Adam West villains in there, too. Frickin' Egghead, Vincent Price showed up in that movie. Yeah, oh, they went all out on that film. Right next to the goddamn mutant leader, everyone was in it. <laughs> it was a fun one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose from there we can hop into what we read this week. This was an okay-sized week. It wasn't huge, but there were some fairly big books that came out. It was manageable. It, it was, was manageable. A, it was a manageable week. I, I, That's a good word to use, Matt. Very, very manageable. Uh, yeah. Would uh, Would you like to go first? Uh yeah, sure. Um. Well, I read 
obviously a book that we both read, and that was Secret Empire issue 7. Yes, yes, uh, a much more focused issue. Usually these Secret Empire books have been a lot to chew on, but this one actually picked like a plot and actually stuck with it, and I thought it was quite, quite good because of that. Yeah, it's, the, it's kind of the first one that actually had pretty much all its pages follow after one another and not cut to some other place in the world or something or what other heroes are doing but it was pretty good it was it was uh the big the big assassination mission of black widow yes her trying to take out cap once and for all after she assumed that all the heroes were dead in the previous issue yeah which obviously they weren't they all escaped thanks to thor Yes, who uh, Thor actually gets a great bit in the Cap book this week. He he does, he does. He's, uh, he's Oscar Schindlering it. He's literally trying to drink Hydra into bankruptcy, one, one flagon of mead at a time, trying to cripple their <laughs> war machine. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you spend the Secret Empire, Thor? I drank myself to death for freedom <laughs> and liberty. <laughs> I showed those goddamn green and yellow Nazis who's boss. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this book had a really awesome showdown finally between uh, Black Widow and Punisher, who have kind of been tailing each other since like the second issue. Yeah, that that was a really cool fight. It, it was re- it was really quick, but it makes sense. It would be really quick as well. Yeah. Sorrentino's art really sold the shit out of that one, how you had all the individual panels that each had, like, a little different thing going on in it. Yeah, that that was really good. This is also the moment, too, where someone gets to uh, ask Frank Castle, and that is, why? Why would you sign up with Hydra and Captain America? And the reason he gives is really depressing. Yeah, he kept, like, promises to bring his family back with the cube, and, like, of course he's gonna he's not gonna say no to that because Captain America said it. If someone else said it, he'd be like, Fuck you and just blow your head off or something. But because Cap said it, he, he knows it it's probably true. He also gets to give the holy no he he gave me an army to fight my war on crime, you know, I no more half measures like the rest of you heroes, you know, I could finally make a difference, I could finally bring about peace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To which, again, is Nick Spencer being like, hey, everyone, again, political allegories. You might like the Punisher, but he's another one of these guys who could be easily swayed with just a couple things. Yeah, he is insane. <laughs> yeah, he, he is a crazy person. Maybe even he doesn't know what he wants, but it, we got a really awesome fight out of it. Yeah, it was really cool. It was, and uh, then we get the big showdown between Miles and Cap himself that they've been building up all the way back since Civil War II. Mm, yeah, all the way teased back with that Ulysses inhuman turned celestial god guy. I like they make fun of uh, Ulysses in this issue where it's like, hey, you know, he went to hang out with Eternity and the gods, so he must have been important. <laughs> god, what a, what, what a dumb friggin' uh, plot device character he was. <laughs> Uh, and it could have been so good. <laughs> it could have been. Wasn't Ulysses the worst, everyone? Actually, all across this issue, Nick Spencer does a bunch of work to try and, like, rehab the events of Civil War too. We get to see Carol uh, kind of feeling sad and blaming herself, saying, you know, if it wasn't for me kickstarting the Second Civil War, Hydra would never have been able to come to power, to the all the stuff with the prophecy. Spencer didn't have to do any of that, but he did. Yeah, and in, like in in the previous issue, uh, Tony also had sort of a moment like that as well with Cap. Like, say, he got into the the, the first Civil War and the second Civil War for like the wrong reasons and and all that sort of stuff. So like, everyone's kind of like apologizing for it now. Yeah, I mean, hey, if I had the reins of the story, I'd do the same thing. Man, that was dumb. Man, I sure am sorry about that. <laughs> let's never do that again. No, let's not. <laughs> And uh, it kind of ends with an interesting thing. Obviously, Black Widow catches an errant shield shot to the neck and ends up dying, seemingly. Yeah, as you do. As you do when you catch rogue uh, shield shots to the neck. I love Sorrentino did the Fight Club cam to see every bone breaking in beautiful detail. Oh, it was so cool, that Mortal Kombat finisher. (laughs) Fatality, Captain America. (laughs) Patriotality. And yet, surprisingly, you know, this is where they actually... A, a lesser book would have just had Cap be the mustache-twirling villain as he's been for the last couple issues, but no, he's shocked and disgusted and he's taken aback a little by his actions, which allows Miles to get the drop on him. Yeah, yeah, and just absolutely wail on him. 
Mm -hmm. And yet at the last second, Miles decides, no, I will honor the memory of Natasha Romanoff. I won't be a killer. Even though not doing this asks that old classic scenario of if you could go back in time and kill Hitler, would you? Yeah, if you could go back in time and kill American Hitler. <laughs> would you? Miles is very much on team no. No, yeah. <laughs> Which, man, I'll love in the next issue because clearly him and the champions and everyone else got arrested. I would love it if they're all in jail. It's like, good job not killing modern-day Hitler, Miles. Yeah, everyone's just, like, bagging him out. I'm like, good on you, Miles. Jesus. <laughs> what a dick. Although, in fairness, even if he did kill Captain America, there's no, like, promise that that would end the war. Exactly. It's the same thing with, like, Hitler. Like, if you killed Hitler, like, would that have end the war? <laughs> if anything, it would probably lead to a civil war between all the Hydra generals jockeying for power with each other, because they all hate each other. Yep, yep. Meanwhile, more people would suffer and die in the process mm -hmm. of it. I mean, that's, that's the ugly thing about wars. They don't end easily. Nope. <laughs> And it's great, too, because Cap, like, after he did this, this is the first time he's ever gotten his hands dirty with a friend. Like, obviously, you know, Bucky died, seemingly, and Rick Jones died, but he never pulled the trigger on it. He never had to be there when it happened. He actually was this time, and it freaks him the fuck out. Yeah, he kind of kind of realizes, like, what he's doing and everything. And, and, yeah, as you said, like, every other time he's had someone else go and do it for him, and he's never really seen it happen close up. He, he has that classic comedy sketch moment of like, are we the bad guys? I think we might be the bad guys. <laughs> Sharon, am I a bad guy? Oh, Sharon, why are you trying to shake me in the throat, Sharon? <laughs> no, no, friends don't do that, Sharon. <laughs> I think I'm the bad guy. And then indeed, if you read the Captain America tie-in from this week, it was him basically coming to the conclusion, oh, well, fuck, if I'm the bad guy, I guess I might as well own this shit. I like that issue because he's just like going to like all the people he thought as friends and it's like, am I, am I bad? Am I evil? And they're all like, yes, fuck you. Yes. Oh my God. You are the worst. <laughs> and then what I loved about that issue too, visual storytelling. He keeps wanting to put on his Captain America costume to go and declare war, but he keeps deciding against it. And eventually at the end just picks up his, uh, what is it? Hydra Supreme Commander uniform. Yeah, he's like, fuck it, I'm the bad guy now. Might as well roll in the bad guy outfit. Yeah, might as well look like, you know, green and yellow Hitler. Might as well. Yeah. It's, it, it's, a, it's a great story in my mind about how clothes make the man, and transversely, if you read the Sam Wilson Cap book this week, that mm -hmm. issue was all about him trying to put on the Cap suit again and give everyone something to hope for and look up to, even though he was uncomfortable. Yeah, I know, I know that Nick Spencer did that on purpose. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, totally mirrored storytelling. And again, you can read, I think you're supposed to read all three in order. Secret Empire, Sam Will or Steve Rogers, then Sam Wilson. They basically tell one big long story. Yeah, well, the Sam, Sam Wilson one, you you can't, you got to, like, read Secret Empire up until a certain page and then read the Sam Wilson one, and then, like, you can read the Cat one after it. But, yeah, um... Yeah, it was exactly the same except opposite with with Sam trying to come to terms with putting on the costume again. Yeah, it's re it was really well done. And, you know, I hope when all of this Secret Empire stuff is done, that will be Spencer's legacy. Cool shit like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, too, wait, did, did, or, no, we, we talked about it last week. We talked about Wade actually coming on to write Captain America now moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be cool. So yeah, that's that was your Captain America Secret Empire kind of, what is it, three for one. Yeah, they, they were really good books, all three of them. They were, they were quite solid, they were quite solid. Uh, what else did you have that you wanted to talk about? I uh, had Action Comics 984. Yes, we did, the conclusion of the Superman Revenge Squad story. Yeah, Zod got his army. He sure did, only it wasn't what we thought it was. It wasn't. It was his family. Yes. It was Ursa and Lorzod. Lorzod, who as some people may know him better, Christopher Kent, right? Yeah, or Nightwing. Yeah, or Nightwing. He's another guy who took the name Nightwing. Superman acted like he was meeting him for the first time, right? That wasn't just me. Well, they never really got, got a chance to properly meet. Right. Because like, lots of stuff really happened, but... Yeah, I'm not really sure how they're going to, like, do the events of the, the Last Son of Krypton storyline. Like, whether they're actually going to say that it's canon, but it didn't happen the way the actual book tells it. Well, it happened in a different way. Didn't Jeff Johns write it? 
Yeah, yeah, that's why I think like it it might be it might be canon, but not in the way he wrote it. Like right. it, something might have changed in it because of the history change and everything. Like Lorzod actually helped his father or something. Right, because I was gonna say up until this point, everything Jeff Johns has written has remained canon. So I don't see yeah. why this would also not remain canon in some mm. way, shape, or form. Yeah, so I imagine we'll get more about that. I imagine they're saving because they they did a really cool thing where they like sort of sh- shipped him, Ursa, and Zod off to like another planet. So they're 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 out there. They're planning their revenge. We probably won't get anything on them until after this whole Oz thing. How they seek to imply that whatever planet they went to, they're going to try and build a a new Krypton, a world of new Krypton, you could say. Oh yeah. It's it's funny too. Like obviously the Zod stuff I liked, and the Zod stuff is what I took away from it. The rest of the book I felt was actually a little lacking. Yeah, it didn't really like. It, it was kind of weird that like uh, at first it was a um, it was like cyborg Superman story, yeah. and then 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 Zod came in, and as he usually does, just Which is t- takes over a super <laughs> Zod thing to do to hijack yeah. someone else's plan and totally take it from them. But I'm like, wait, I thought. I thought this was all about, like, Henshaw's great revenge and him having an arc and him finally getting a showdown with Superman. Wait, don't you remember this story started with him literally getting a magic deus ex machina stone that let him turn himself into a cyborg? Yeah. Well, what I think was, I think this story was just to sort of place all of Superman's rogues in certain places and, like, sort of say, like, okay, you know, cyborg Superman's stuck in the Phantom Zone, so he's okay, like, we can use him later on. Uh, Mongol is back up in space, so he's probably going to go find Warworld or do something, you know. Yeah. Uh, Zod and everything's and the Eradicator are away. So I think it was placing them all in places where, like, so when once we get into, like, Oz and all that sort of stuff, people don't go, well, why isn't Cyborg Superman attacking now? Right. Or that, that sort of thing. I think it was all just sort of like a placement issue. Now, did you feel the same way about this that I did, where it's like, you know, in the previous issue, oh, the entire Superman family is united for the first time to fight this group of foes. They lose, get thrown in the Phantom Zone, and then the villains defeat themselves, so the heroes don't even get their win back at the end of the day. <laughs> well, as Superman did say, it was kind of like a win, and uh, I, I see, like, at the end there, he, he lets on because there's, like, a couple of panels where they sort of, like, look at each other, and it's sort of like a like a mutual agreement that we're not going to fight each other because they both got families there. My family. And, and yeah, maybe maybe something like that. I guess I I just thought like you know it, I, I totally thought of it in like wrestling terms where it's like oh you know Zod was booked as a monster heel you know he was just wrecking everybody <laughs> and the Superman stable you know they lost when it mattered but they never got their heat back moving forward and they need that <laughs> they weren't a cohesive unit they're never gonna get the big DC belts that way <laughs> this was bad booking. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well this is the first time as well that that family had been together like this was. Itera- iteration of that family and for the most part they actually work pretty well together yeah I, I like just, it could have been it could have been wrong with like like lex luther trying to take over yeah, or yeah, yeah. you know keenan kong you know fucking up something i uh, i i love to metallo is the first to speak up the first to get beaten obviously he'll get to go to regular jail and blanche just kind of psyched himself into submission <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Again, the bad guys defeated themselves. It's like, well, shit, Superman, you almost didn't even need to do anything. These losers would have beaten themselves up. Though I think that was part of Zod's plan, because he got what he wanted, and that's all that mattered to him. He didn't give a fuck about anyone else. He no, got what he mattered. He no, obviously, you're more, like, clued into Superman, like, mythos and lore and specifics and everything. How did you feel about after building up the whole, oh, Superman is blind thing, just going to the Phantom Zone fixed his blindness? That's kind. I, that's kind of something the Phantom Zone does. It it's it's kind of something it does because that that's how they like cure like Monel of his is is lead uh, weakness and stuff. You put him in the zone and it can't affect him anymore. Right. It like cures him as he goes in, and it, it's something that they've kind of sort of set up, but not really. Like it's kind of mentioned here and there, but it's not something they've sat down and gone, okay, this is what it actually does. Because all I could take away from it is like, well, what was the point of making Superman blind for a couple issues if you were just going to take it away right here at the beginning of this issue? It's like the writer said, okay, don't be blind anymore. I guess they needed to give him like a... um A weakness. 
a weak a weakness just so like he doesn't just trounce the floor with Zod. That's true, I guess, because they want to like play with that later on. But yeah, that was that was Action Comics. It definitely sets up a bunch of cool shit for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do we have this week? Well, I, I guess from Action we can talk about Detective. Uh, this is the Further Adventures of Batman and Magic, which I felt this issue was also filled with some ass pulls. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, hey, after a couple issues of Batman being like, I I need your magic orb, Zatanna, I need it so bad to answer all my questions. I don't know, Batman, the orb, you know, might fuck with you. And then he's like, no, I really need it really bad. Then after, like, one flashback, he's like, no, nah, no, nah, you're, you're right, it would fuck with me pretty bad. I, I don't want it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really want it anymore. Well, Christ, you were dissuaded pretty easily, and as many fans brought up, where it's like, wait, 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 so he jumped on the Mobius chair first chance he got, but he didn't want the Gnosis orb. Batman this week was was kind of like all over the place because he it was exactly the sort of same in 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 JLA as well. Was he has he been having an inconsistent week? Yeah, well, like, well, like in in JLA, not to get into it too much, but like he's been button heads with the Ray because the Ray is like, oh, we we shouldn't really judge people for actions they may or may not do. Right. You know, you should you know give them a chance and everything, and if they do the wrong thing, we sort of deal with them if they do the right thing we leave them as well and Batman's like no we gotta fuck them all up <laughs> and there, there's an even one percent chance yeah yeah exactly exactly and then like at the end the Ray is proved right <laughs> in his thing and Batman's like yeah whatever I'm going home <laughs> he became Affleck man for a second yeah yeah that's unfortunate uh, it's nice, at least for this issue, that Asriel, this was supposed to be his focus piece, it's nice to see that he actually kind of got a little bit more focus this week. Yeah, yeah, he got he got a lot more focus. Uh, Tynan even seemed to answer the question, that is, if Asriel's so tough, why does he lose every fight he's in since this start? And it's like, oh, well, because he's not using his full potential because of uh, everything that's going on with the, uh, with, with the system. He's not tapping into the full power of the system, that's why. Yeah, he's not letting that little kid in his head take control. Yeah, he's not letting Jesus take the wheel. He's not letting evil Jesus <laughs> tell him what to do. <laughs> Although, it's funny, when evil Jesus is in control, Azrael is able to fight uh, Batwoman and Orphan, but even then, he still loses with the full potential of the system. Yeah, yo, well, like, it, it only it takes Tana to come and put him to sleep to actually stop him. Yeah, sleep. But yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And I like the idea as well, because at the end of this issue, we got the reveal of the Azrael Batsuit. Right, 2.0. And, and I like that how they've sort of, they've kind of reinvented it, as in like Luke Fox is the one who made it, and he made it so that it can stop the system in Azrael. Yeah, that it can work with him that, to let him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, and it's, it's that rookie, it's that rookie AI, isn't it? Yes, yeah, which is kind of amazing, where it's like, hey, it's the uh, Jim Gordon Batmech suit. It's nice to see they're using it for something. Yeah, they, this actually happened. It and did not, happen. Just not disregarding it. Yeah, and Tynan even makes sure to mention, hey, what did Jerry Powers put in you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, the Powers Corporation and Jerry. What the hell happened there? That I was almost 90% sure they were going to be revealed to be villains. Yeah, they, they went up in their blimp and never came back down. Oh, never came back down. It's funny, too, you know, how Luke designed the costume and everything. It's like, all right, Luke, good design. L like the colors. I like it's not a total eyesore like the original. Why did you keep the knife fingers, though? <laughs> well, you see the aesthetics of the 90s. <laughs> what what practical, tactical purpose do knife fingers hold? I don't know. Maybe he's got to, you know, cut some steak up and he doesn't have a knife. <laughs> now, he's got, now he's got ten knives. <laughs> so when Asriel goes out in the night with his, like, evil-looking visor to feed the homeless, he's got knife fingers <laughs> to, to cut them off nice pieces of roast beef. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what he's going to do. He's going to be feeding the homeless. Some people said they missed the cape. Uh, honestly, I didn't even recognize the cape wasn't there. No, I, I didn't even notice either. And while I definitely enjoyed the nostalgia of a Nightfall era Asriel Batman suit, I couldn't help but really enjoy the suit he had right now. Yeah, the, the suit he has right now is really cool. Red and white with a little bit of gold. It's a good look. Yeah. Of course, then they have the story reason where it's like, yeah, but that's the close of the Church of St. Dumas, that crazy murder church. It's kind of hard for John Paul to try and be a hero and do right in the world when he's wearing that. Yeah, yeah. 
it, it'd kind of be like if a, what is it, reformed clan member became a hero but still ran around in the white robes. <laughs> Actually, shit, that outfit, when you stop and think about it, the Saint Dumas outfit is a little clannish, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. If the hood was just a little bit pointier, he could be a grand <laughs> dragon. <laughs> John Paul Valley, I'm here to help. Away with you, white devil. <laughs> no, but I want to help, though. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, that was, uh, that was Detective Comics. I would say I probably like this issue better than I've liked most of the issues in this arc up until now. Because mm-hmm. it feels mm-hmm. like it actually buckled down and was about what it was supposed to be about. Yeah. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Uh, I had Wonder Woman issue 27. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Who's who's writing this now? Is this still Rucker or is this the new woman now? No, no this is uh, Shea Fontana. She's, this is her second issue into her right. new storyline. And it's a pretty interesting story she's telling. Um, it's now The book's now gone back to like normal numbering, whereas before it used to be like every odd issue was t- took place in like the year one and every even issue was like nowadays it's now back to just normal consistent storylines issue to issue right, right. um this one is about kind of like wonder woman taking a break kind of and I think the stories yeah the story's built around that she grew up as a as a warrior and didn't really have any time to experience stuff a child would experience like Fair. playing with dolls and having fun and everything. So she and Edda go off to Etta's brother's wedding. Oh, Etta's brothers or Etta, Etta's sister's wedding. I can't really remember Someone's on that wedding. issue. Yeah. And, um, she meets like this little girl and the little girl's like lost her shoe and she's got to help the little girl. And, uh, she, she finds a bomb and <laughs> the bomb, this issue, the bomb goes off and just destroys the wedding, and she oh, no. she say she saves everyone. But we find out that the bomb and everything sort of related to that is uh, from this doctor who has been working with her, named Doctor Crawford, who uh, is a sick woman, and she wants to take Diana's blood and mm. DNA to create a serum to make her better and stronger. Ain't that always the way? Yeah, and so she has to sort of fight her, and she she ends up doing it. And she, it's funny she injects herself with that, and she like hulks out into like this huge, huge Amazonian woman, and just wipes the floor with Diana. It's it's hilarious. Is, is there any serums in comic books that if you take them won't turn you into some manner of hulking monstrosity? <laughs> no, every serum does, especially if it's like green or red. Just just once, you know, I'd like to have one, one, one just little serum that you could take, and it would turn, I don't know, it would give you, like, minty freth brush or something, you know? <laughs> it turns, like, some big guy, he thinks it's a steroid, it turns him into, like, pre-serum Captain America or something. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, a serum that has the adverse effect. It's like, will this make me the ultimate human? No, it'll make you shit, actually. <laughs> it'll give you scoliosis. <laughs> oh, no. It'll give you a bunch of diseases no one's heard of in years. <laughs> Bonitis. <laughs> oh, not not my crippling bonitis. <laughs> you know, I almost cured the bonitis, but then I bought the company that was making the cure and then cut it up because, you know, I was a ruthless 90s guy. <laughs> Dude, there's there's something we need. Uh, friggin' m- more bonitis for comics. It could be the modern day McGregor syndrome. <laughs> oh, McGregor syndrome. <laughs> Dude, friggin', you know, Dark Days, The Forge, and the casting is bringing in so much goddamn continuity from all over the place. I wouldn't be shocked if at some point someone comes down with McGregor syndrome in that story. Uh, McGregor syndrome. It's an advanced form of the metahuman disease. Oh or something. <laughs> shit! You, you wrote it, Matt. You wrote it right there. <laughs> No one cannot say that's not a thing now. No, <laughs> I like that. I, I I like this pitch. Let's 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 send that into DC Comics. More McGregor's disease, please. Here we go. We'll get a new summer event for next year. <laughs> oh, God. everyone comes down with McGregor's, <laughs> which is how you get Mister Freeze to be a good guy because he is the foremost expert on McGregor's disease. <laughs> so he's got to work hand in hand with the Justice League and find out how to be a good guy again. <laughs> See, it's as easy as that. Hey, if uh, Clayface doesn't work out as your villainous partner turned hero, just you know, just get uh, get Mister Freeze up in there. Yeah, he hasn't been in much, so uh, yeah. No, no, he hasn't. Uh, I mean, I guess speaking of Batman, there was uh, All Star Batman number twelve. Did you check that one out? 
I've kind of fallen off on this series. I haven't read like the last three issues. This newest arc is by far the weakest, so I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it started good enough to have it kind of be like a hey, we're gonna go back in time and we're gonna look at like Alfred's early days as like you mm-hmm. know uh, as like a delinquent punk kid in Britain, you know, who resented his father, who was you know butler to the Waynes, and we juxtapose this to a story about Batman in Florida fighting like the descendants of Blackbeard the pirate, who are just like the modern day Florida mob, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then some dude shows up dressed like the Black Knight from Monty Python, and we find out that he's part of something called the Nemesis Project, which is like a weird MI5 program that was set up with like relations to the legendary Black Knight of British folklore. And back in the day, they recruited Alfred because they wanted him to be the Black Knight. And it's, and it's really dumb, because I'm like, no, 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 you can have Alfred be cool while also not having to make him a proto-Batman. That's that's what I disagree with the story on, trying to turn Alfred into some manner of proto-Batman. Yeah, I always hate when they when they used to do that. They also used to do that with, like, like Thomas Wayne as well. Like, mm. like prime, prime Universe Thomas Wayne. Like, he used to dress up as a bat for stuff. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one time I was kind of okay with that was when he wore a weird bat costume to a costume party. I'm like, sure, sure, fine. It was that a costume makes party. Yeah. It's a costume party. I accept that. I mean, you don't see Pa Kent being like, and I'm going to wear a cape and underwear on the outside. <laughs> well, I tend them crops for no particular reason. <laughs> see, it would just be weird if he did it. Oh no, Parkant's got the Alzheimer's. Oh no, he's getting soft in his old age. <laughs> it's terrible how the mind plays tricks on you. But yeah, so I mean that was that that was basically all All Star Batman was. I I hope this uh, series can kind of fix itself because I think the la- the next issue is going to finish off this story, and then the very final one, issue fourteen, is going to be the last issue overall. Oh really? Yes. Oh, okay then. So I, I thought I thought this this was like a carry on book. Uh, maybe it was meant to, but then Snyder got Dark Days, which maybe that's just all he was gonna do for this book. May, may, yeah, maybe maybe that's why that, that this story in particular suffered because maybe this was being written around the time Dark Days was being planned and everything, and he's just like ah. Alfred was Batman once. Yeah, that's that. I think you are probably one hundred percent correct on that. That's definitely how I feel. Yeah, because I know the I know the the storylines before that one were really good. They were, they were, they were, they were very tight. They, they felt like movies. They felt like they could have been their own standalone graphic novels. This this feels like filler in a greater series. Yeah. Unless they have like some really great moral at the end of this, I I would say this was probably one of the weaker things Scott Snyder's ever written. Oh, that sucks. That does suck. I mean, hey, we can't all bat 100, you know, we can't all be perfect. No, no. So, uh, what else did you have? Because I think I maybe only have one more new thing I read this week. Um, i got a couple left. I Deadpool, ah, yes. yes, that was my last one. I also read Deadpool. Pretty fucking good. Man, this one went to some dark places. Oh, boy, did it ever. <laughs> This this sh- I I actually got to give credit to one of my commenters who basically said it better than I did in a five minute video where he's like yeah you know this book is all talking about Wade Wilson's own self hatred and everything and when he gets caught doing something really bad he 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 doesn't like turn into himself and be like oh you're right I did wrong I should try and do better he goes to a dark place where he just says oh my only fault was that I you know tried to be a hero in the first place yeah. Yeah, he kind of embraces that sort of villain aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and he literally cuts up his best friend Preston's robot body. Oh, yeah, and it was even more fucked up because she woke up during it. Yeah, oh, it, it's it's horrifying. It's one of those things where you could only get away with that because she's a robot. If she was an actual human, they oh, never yeah. printed it. No, no. That's how dark it's... And then he kidnaps his own kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the loving family she's been hanging out with. And yes, you could argue he had the best intentions in mind because, you know, she has a late next gene. She'd be hunted by Hydra. Basically everything he justified to her in the previous issue. But still, it's really fucked up to see it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was more of, like, kind of him doing that, like, for, for Preston a little bit. Like, 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 this is something Preston would do, so I'm going to do that to sort of honor her memory. Right. Like and the- sort of... 
They'll yeah. come for my kid. I don't want them to hurt your family. Yeah. Which, again, we don't know which way Deadpool's going on this one, because he's also kind of Oscar Schindlering a Hydra right now, pretending that he's working for them, but he's doing just a really, really shitty job. Like, he's purposely trying to undermine the war effort. Yeah, like, he's not going after, like, Maria Hill or... or uh... Black uh, Black Widow or anything. He's going after like Trapster and 3D Man and all these really shitty v- villains and heroes. Losers who would never be able to turn the tide of any battle to anyone's favor. <laughs> no, no. And, and then I, I gotta say, like, even though I loved like 90% of this issue, that stuff with the prison was weird. Like, I had to reread the stuff with the prison. Yeah. Where, I'm like, did I read this wrong? What was What was the takeaway? What was Deadpool after? Yeah, I was kind of confused with that as well, because I was under the impression he was going to use Trapster to get in to get Blackout out. Yeah, to either get Blackout out, or Preston was in the jail, or someone important was in the jail he wanted to break out. Yeah, but he just seemed to, like, do it to, like, get Trapster in the jail. Yeah. Kind of, like, confirm, like, the the Hydra commander's... um, orders or something i don't know it's really weird it was really weird it was like almost like he wanted to check to make sure black bolt was there Mm. blackout Mm. sorry not black bolt it's hard to keep these names straight but yeah to make sure that blackout was there and i thought like oh is he gonna bring the dome down because black uh blackout was of course the guy who read from the uh darkhold in the beginning of this event and brought the dome up in the first place yeah, so maybe he's doing that. Maybe he was just make, confirming that he was there and is planning on breaking them out or something. I don't know. Then they confuse it even further by saying, oh, Black Bolt, he's been brainwashed back into his Pleasant Hill uh, persona. He thinks he's just a regular dude. I'm like, well, he didn't think that when he got the dome up at the beginning of this. What the fuck happened in between? <laughs> yeah. Also, too, you know, they're saying, like, uh, oh, uh, Hydra's got, like, a big important prison, and that's where Crossbones and Sin are at right now, that they're being, like, the jail masters. I thought it was a missed opportunity we never saw either of them. No, yeah, I, I kind of figured that they would make an appearance once he was starting to sort of break into the prison, and they would be, like, the people he fights or pretends to fight or something. They basically sat out the whole event. They're two of the most prominent Hydra figures directly (laughs) connected to the Red Skull, and they sat out the whole event. Yeah, maybe maybe they're off-planning something of their own. They they didn't even get to be on the Hydra Council, which is hilarious. (laughs) Although I guess it kind of makes sense. Hey, let's not have the daughter of the man I killed for the job and her boyfriend, who is arguably as strong as me some days... Yeah, yeah. Depending on who's riding him, let's let's not have her on the council so all the other guys can be like, oh, you know, maybe you should run things, Sin. Yeah, yeah. I guess that makes sense to stick them in a jail. Which, it's shocking they never got a tie, because I figured that could be a story where it's like, yeah, let's see all the heroes who got locked up in prison. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, there's something coming for him. Maybe Nick Spencer has something planned for him. Maybe maybe that's issue 8, because we know the champions and Mosaic and, like, everyone else got locked up, so maybe that's where issue 8 will be. We'll get, like, a... Cr- Crossbrains is, like, interrogating them or something? There you go. We can have, like, uh, like, what is it? The Great Escape, but for superheroes. There you go. Or, as everyone remembers, Chicken Run, the animated chicken version <laughs> of Great Escape. <laughs> Everyone knows that one, made by the delightful Ardman animation. <laughs> Starring everyone's favorite actual Nazi Mel Gibson. <laughs> who quotes Freedom, his Braveheart line, in that movie. <laughs> N- no joke, like I, like, I lived way up north for like a month, because one of my parents, or like longer than a month, because my parents moved for work. And I got that movie for Christmas as a VHS back when VHSs were a thing, and I got X-Men 1. And I watched both of those movies to death because even though there was satellite up there because of the snow and extreme weather, it would go out constantly. (laughs) So I can probably recite just about every scene of Chicken Run and (laughs) X-Men 1 because of that. Those are the two movies I have devoted to memory. Yeah, the world's leading authority on chicken one, chicken run trivia. Yes, I know. I am that man. I am that man. <laughs> don't don't even challenge me in a chicken run trivia contest. <laughs> That's my secret mutant power. Joel knows everything about chicken run. <laughs> uh, was uh, was that it for books, or did you have a couple more? Because that was definitely my um, last one. 
I've only got one more, and that's Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, issue 25. Ah, uh, what's Hal up to? Uh, he's fighting the second Sinestro War, oh, basically. Shit. Yeah, so um, the, the, the alliance with the, the Yellow Lanterns kind of broke down this issue after Ceranic found out that the uh, guy who came back in time, Sarko, was her son. Uh-oh. Um, her son with Kyle Rayner. Oh, shit. How yeah, Kyle kind, of, Kyle kind of didn't want to tell her because of what might happen and everything, but she found out uh, by exhuming the body and finding his heritage and everything. And she's really mad and just tells Hal and John and everyone to go fuck themselves. We're taking the Sinestro Corps away. I'm going to take the name Sinestro as my birthright. Oh, shit. And we're going to be the Sinestro Corps now again. And they get into a big fight and everything. And That's a... Uh... That's a big, long character journey for her coming all the way to rejecting Sinestro and rejecting all this other stuff to becoming a Yellow Lantern to be like, fuck it, I'm Sinestro now. Yeah, well, the thing is, John and everything kind of brought it on themselves because while they didn't outrightly trust the Yellow Lanterns and, you know, for good reason, they should have trusted Ceranic, who was leading the Yellow Lanterns into a more heroic sort of direction and and she was an ex green lantern they should have said right well she's in control now she has them doing the right thing you know they're they're helping people they're not killing anyone this should be right but john's like no no we've got to you know put fail safes in their batteries and and build walls and shit and all that sort of stuff because you know that that always goes well yeah but the interesting thing is at the end of this issue we we see the antimatter universe and we see that uh Lysa and Sinestro are actually still alive. Yeah. Cuz uh, uh Sinestro was thought dead when Hal blew up Warworld. Yeah, like all the way back in the first arc. Yeah, so he's kind of like coming back to life. He's like a he looks like Emperor Palpatine at the moment. He's got the, <laughs> he's got the the puffy monster face. Good, good. But uh, I imagine he'll be coming back very soon. Well, you know, Matt, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering, so it makes sense <laughs> that he would be Palpatine. <laughs> Man, anytime you can, like, throw out some Phantom Menace is a good day, right? <laughs> this is what I call pod racing. <laughs> you see, before we picked the name The Comic Multiverse, we were going to call it, now that's what I call podcasting. <laughs> yeah, spinning, that's a good trick. <laughs> Talking, that's a good trick. <laughs> into a microphone, being insightful, recording it, and then re-uploading it later for people to listen to. <laughs> Misa say we all go and die? <laughs> Which is what Matt and I say to each other every day before we start an episode. <laughs> and the answer is always, well, yes, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but one day, yes. <laughs> We're always dying, right from birth. We get really deep about it. <laughs> What's that Samuel L. Jackson thing from Soul Men? From the first slap and the first cry, we all going to die, but I'm on no accelerated program. <laughs> yes, I'm also the leading authority on Soul Man trivia as well, if you've ever seen that. That was like Bernie Mac's last movie before his death, and Isaac Hayes' last movie too, before he died. <laughs> it's it's kind of generic, but like it kind of takes on a certain extra level because of that. <laughs> Also, too, apparently, like, in the commentary, I heard, like, Bernie Mac was all about having fun and everything, and he'd mess around with people on set and break character. Apparently, Samuel L. Jackson doesn't do that. Apparently, Samuel L. Jackson is very serious when he's on sets. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently he's very much into character. I don't know. Maybe it was just that movie. Maybe he didn't believe in the script and just wanted to get it done. I don't know. <laughs> and that was the director just covering his tracks. Like, oh, yeah, he's, he's so serious on set, Samuel. You know, he never, he never breaks character. He never wants to pal around or look at my stamp collection. <laughs> well, maybe it was just you. Did you think about that? <laughs> uh, but, I mean, on that note, I think that's basically the show for the week, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, any parting thoughts? Anything you want to tell all the peoples? Uh, not really. Keep an eye out for some more of our t-shirt designs. I've got some more coming up in the next week or, or so. Yes, you can uh, find the link down in the description. Or if you just uh, search uh, Cape Joel Comic Multiverse uh, T Public, you'll be able to find it. Yep. Now, as always, if you're a patron, you'll get to hear this episode first before anyone else by the time we're done, which is usually around, like, 11, 12 on Sunday night. Uh, also, hey, 
podcast awards. Again, if you're a patron, this is probably the only time you'll get a chance to hear it. Your last day to vote for it, today and tomorrow, the 31st. After that, it's done. Uh, Again, by the time everyone else hears this on Wednesday, it won't matter, but I can only hope everyone went there, made an account, and voted for the poll, the weekly poll, and the Elseworlds exchange. It'd be most appreciated. Yeah. (laughs) No joke, though, when I say this, because I know they'll never listen. I've been researching some more stuff about the podcast awards. It actually seems like something of a shit show. Oh, really? It actually seems like something of a nightmare. I talked to someone else who was nominated last year but chose not to go, and I'm like, oh, no, everyone keeps telling me horror stories. (laughs) Also, I was under the impression that if we won, we would get a trip to Vegas, and that's usually what happened from the years like 2010 to 2015. No, so so years that like like it was going well or something or or didn't get – Bought out by someone or something? Again, I'm still trying to, like, wade through it myself. But here's the thing. Uh, Like, they back up some of the episodes you can listen to. So I listened to, uh, what is it, the one from 2015, the last time they did it in Vegas. And guess who they had host? Who? Freaking Canadian wrestler and professional podcaster Chris Jericho hosted. And I'm like, (laughs) wow, that was about ten grand right there. That guy didn't come cheap. And apparently he badmouthed them later on his own podcast one show. Yeah, so apparently they were out a bunch of money, had some egg on their face, and like that was like a real thing. And I'm like, oh, and that's why the next year they just live-streamed it and had people submit their things for accepting the award. (laughs) <laughs> now maybe that's changed they didn't do one in 2014 they like took all of 2014 off so maybe it's different now I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I hope so because I was getting really excited about potentially going to Vegas shit man I was even looking at a, what is it the feast buffet at the Red Rock <laughs> all you can eat Matt $10 although that's 10 American dollars so that's probably like closer to 100 Canadian dollars but still that's, that, that's how the conversion rate works, Matt, for our money. We just put another zero at the end of it. Yeah, it's, it's easier that way. It's just easier. <laughs> just, just put a zero at the end of it and you'll be fine. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, sir. We do not accept your frozen pesos here. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I'm sure someone has said at some point in time. <laughs> oh, now I'm just fucking rambling. So as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Uh, be sure to like, favorite, subscribe, do all that jazz. Uh, you can follow Matt over at Fortress of Solitude. Yep, and on Twitter at, at Matt underscore FOS. You can do that. You can follow me at Cave Chili. You can keep up to date on everything that's going on. And, yeah, we will we will see you next week, same time. So bye, see everyone. Bye-bye.